down. If you were six weeks old and you were the firstborn, you were struck down. But the dividing line in the middle of it, the equal sign in the equation is the blood of Jesus. Oh, no, oops, I skipped. It's the blood of the Lamb, right? And the blood of the Lamb protected those people from the wrath of God. Well, if you fast forward however many thousand years, then you get to the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus did exactly the same thing. The blood of Jesus covered the wrath of God. Right? Because every time, I mean, this time God's wrath was being shown in an awesome force. I mean, can you imagine the, 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 everybody you know, the oldest kid is dead. Male, right? It's male child. I think it's male. The oldest kid is dead. Everybody you know. All of your siblings, all of your spouses, the family, up, down. I mean, how many, we're talking about thousands of people dead in one night. It had to be a terrible situation. Even for the Israelites to see, right, the Hebrew folks to see God's wrath in front of them, it had to be frightening, right? Wouldn't you imagine, I mean, I can only imagine sitting in a mud hut with blood painted on the outside of my door, praying to, to my God that he is going to protect me from his wrath. As I listen, I mean, I'm sure that those weren't airtight huts, right? As I listen to the screams of death that come from all the way around me, right? I mean, they lived in amongst the city with the Egyptians. They were constantly hearing, had to be constantly hearing people wake up and find that their child is dead, that their husband is dead, that whoever is dead. It's a horrible situation to be in, even for the folks that were protected by the blood. But they knew, right, that that blood painted all over their door facing covered them. It covered them for the Passover, right? And, and then the Hebrews actually, you know, they celebrated that for years and years and years and still do. The Passover is, is celebrated. That opportunity to where the, the, the finale of the plagues and God delivered the Hebrews out of, or the Israelites, out of Egypt. That blood covered them. And so then they celebrated it over and over and over and over and over and over. But what happened was, as God... <clears throat> God knew that blood was only good for that house. I mean, and it, I know we're splitting hairs right here, but you, you think about it. What would have happened if you'd have been outside? What would have been happened? What would have happened if you'd have been walking to your friend's house? Right? What they were supposed to do was go inside the house and hide inside the house and paint the door frame and don't move. But I mean, some of y'all's hard-headed. I mean, you know, I had uncles in the in the middle of uh, Hugo walking around in the yard with a flashlight because they weren't real bright. I mean, you know, and that's the worst thing I've ever seen in an individual is Hugo. I mean, right? I mean. Y'all old enough to remember, Hugo, that was one of the worst nights you could hear the house groan and squeak and, and watch trees disappear and, and poor guy at Six Kids Pizza drive up and down the road. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, he, they were stuck in their car and they would drive this way as far as they could till they got to the trees across the road. And they'd sit there for a little while and turn around and drive the other way. And they'd sit there for a little while and turn around and drive the other way. I don't know what he was doing, but I, I mean, he was moving. But can you imagine what would happen if you would have been... I, I can't sleep tonight. I'm going to go outside and take a stroll. See, that blood protection only covered what was inside of the house. What a terrible situation to be to where when the sacrifice was made, but it doesn't cover you all the time. 
It doesn't really cover your whole life. And so God, because he's incredibly wise and, and, and just and amazing, God said, hey, look, we need to do this a better way. We need to come about this a better way. There's got to be a better, there's got to be a better solution to this. So if you will, turn with me to Hebrews. <clears throat> Chapter 9. Alright, so over the next three weeks, I'm, I'm spoiler alert, and if you don't want to come back, then I'm sorry, but over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about this in depth, right? We're going to talk about all the things that happened over the next three weeks, right? This is the Sunday before Palm Sunday. Next week is Palm Sunday, and the next week is Easter Sunday. There's a lot of things that happen in our world, and our Christian faith that happened in the next three weeks. I mean, the next three weeks are pretty amazing. But this is just a foreshadowing of what we're going to talk about. And really, if you, I mean... You could go into the Gospels and talk about the actual instances that took place in Palm Sunday through Easter, and we will. But, but Hebrews gives a pretty good account. So chapter 9, verse 11, But when Christ became the high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through a greater and more perfect tabernacle that was not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of bulls and goats, but he entered in the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus attaining eternal redemption. For the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of the heifer sprinkled on those who were ceremonially unclean, sanctified them so that they were out, outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God to clean our consciousness from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ became the mediator of a new covenant. Now, at the time when, when they made a covenant, right? They made a covenant. It was a covenant of blood. And the Old Testament was a covenant of blood. The Old Testament, the, the, the original covenant was made between Abraham and God. And it was a covenant of blood. And that blood covenant had lasted for thousands of years, but it was flawed. It was imperfect. It, it relied on the blood of bulls and goats, and it relied on a high priest to go in and ceremonially wash his hands and do the stuff and say the words and go through the steps over and over. Every year, they would put the blood of bulls and goats. And that satisfied, for a period of time, the wrath of God, but it never fully satisfied it. So Jesus died as the, the true, perfect sacrifice that, that his blood would satisfy the wrath of God. And there is a problem with that statement that people still don't understand. People still preach today that God is out to get you and he is looking for a way to punish you. And, and we are being, and how can that be if, if Jesus' blood satisfies the wrath of God? For us, how can he still be unhappy with me? Y'all want to figure out an answer? I'd love to sit down and have a cup of coffee and listen. But it, it had to be here on Sunday morning because that's the only day I actually drink coffee. But if you come here, I would love to talk to you. I get here about 9 o'clock. 
I would love to find out how some reason God is still unsatisfied with me because when he looks at me, all he sees is the blood of Jesus because I have been covered from head to toe with the blood of Jesus. That is the most valuable substance that's ever touched the face of the planet was the blood of Jesus. And they spilled it in all kinds of ways. You know, everybody talks about his hands and his feet and his side. But it was his hands and his feet and his side and his back and his head. Every drip of that precious blood that hit the ground is the most valuable substance that's ever touched the planet. It's the most, I don't care what it is. You can't come up with something that even comes close to being as valuable as the drips of blood that was shed on Calvary. When they beat him with the <clears throat> when they beat him with the cat of nine tails and ripped his flesh from his body, that blood was shed for my healing. Every ounce of his blood that was shed, every drip had a reason. It had a purpose. And when he shed that blood, right, he offered himself, back to um, verse 14, he offered himself an unblemished to God to cleanse our consciousness from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve a living God. So for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive a promise of an eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set, free, set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Man, that's so, I, I, I can't even comprehend the idea. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove death by the one who made it, right? The, the, will, the will and testament is not good until that person dies. If you have a will and you're still living, that will is, is not important. Because a will is enforced only when somebody has died. It has never taken effect while the one who is living. <clears throat> this is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. For when Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to the people, he took the blood of calves and together with the water and scarlet wool and the branches of hyssop and sprinkled the scroll of all the people. And he said, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled the blood on both the tabernacle and everything used in the ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed by blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made by human hands. It was only a copy of the true one. He entered in heaven himself. Now, to appear before us in God's presence. Nor did he heaven to offer himself again and again. He didn't make this sacrifice over and over and over and over like they did. It was not a yearly deal. He did it one time. He did it one time. The, he didn't do it the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all and that accumulation of the ages to do away with sin by sacrificing himself, just as people are destined to die once. 
And after that, to face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation for those who are waiting on him. Right? You can't have forgiveness of sin without the spilling of blood. And the spilling of the blood of bull and goats was never enough. Was never enough. It had a short lifespan. It was they had to do it over and over and over and over. And the difference, the difference is, if you read in the Old Testament, when they shed the blood of bulls and goats, it covered, covered the people's sin for one year. When Jesus shed his blood, it atoned, it erased, it removed our sin from us. They were covered up. We were forgiven. And when we were forgiven, one time he paid the price for all of humanity. And when he spilled that blood, that is the most valuable substance that has ever been. I mean, now we're talking about viruses and vaccines. And I mean, you know, everybody's excited and it's about this much of medicine and a little shot. And everybody thinks it's super great. I, I, you can't even value that much of what Jesus' blood's worth. A drip. One drip. It is so valuable to us as Christians that without it, we don't exist. We don't exist. I mean, we might exist as humans. We might still be on the planet, although I don't think God would have put up with us this long. But we might exist as humans. But without the blood of Jesus, there's no Christianity. There's no nothing. There's no salvation. You go back to the Jewish customs to where they kill the bulls and goats and, and spread the blood on stuff. Without the blood of Jesus, there is nothing. There is nothing. There is no promises of God. There is no salvation. There is no just reward. There is no nothing. There is nothing that we can do to satisfy the wrath of God ever, ever, ever. It is a one-way street, straight path to hell. And I saw, I read something the other day that said, how can a good God actually send people to hell? He's not sending you to hell. You are already destined to go to hell. He is saving you from going to hell. That's the difference. This is the exit on the one-way street. The exit off of the road to hell is the blood of Jesus. And that is the only exit. It's not by being a good person. It's not by, you know, giving lots of gifts or I was kind to people. None of that. None of that satisfies the wrath of a just God. The only thing that satisfies the wrath of a just God is the blood of Jesus. And unlike the houses in Egypt that were covered by the door frames, I don't have to worry about my house. My house isn't saved. My, my spirit is saved. I towed it around on the inside of me. So if the death angel comes today to collect souls, my blood, I'm still blood covered. I walk around blood covered every day. My blood covering doesn't leave me. It doesn't go away. The Bible says that Jesus will never leave me and never forsake me. That nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I'm covered in blood everywhere I go. All day, every day. Whether I'm being good or bad. Just like the people that were hiding in the house. Whether they were good people or bad people or young people or old people or black people or white people or yellow people or green people or pink people. It didn't make any difference. He did not put stipulations on what happened when they covered the blood post, the post of the door with blood. 
It didn't say, well, if you're really good and nice and you stay inside, I'm going to cover you. It didn't say that. There were no stipulations on the cover of the blood. The blood of Jesus cannot see color. It cannot see age. It cannot see race. The blood of Jesus sees forgiveness. And when he took it into the Holy of Holies and laid it down on the altar for a one-time sacrifice, that was the greatest transaction that has ever been made. The only thing that comes anywhere close to that is the words, let there be light. That's the only thing that even gets close. And it ain't. It still ain't enough. The transaction that took place that when he walked into the Holy of Holies and laid his 1.6 gallons on average blood on the altar, that is the most valuable substance that transaction that's ever taken place. Millions of people, tr billions, true. I don't even know the number. I, I can't, I'm not smart enough to know how many zeros it is. We're saved in one transaction. Think about it. And not only in that one transaction and all those people get saved, once they fulfill their obligation, which is to believe in your heart and say it with your mouth that I'm saved, that you'll be saved, it's forever. No refunds, no re take backs, no warranty claims, no nothing. Salvation is forever. And people, I hear people all the time say salvation can't be forever because of people's sin, they fall out of salvation. You can fall out of the bed, you can fall down the steps, you can fall out of a car, you can fall out of a tree. You can't fall out of salvation. When his blood was spilled and bought my body, bought my spirit, it is a lifetime contract. He, I cannot, he cannot remove it from me. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Ever, ever, ever. So I have been bought wholeheartedly, 100%, redeemed. Paid for in full. When he said on the cross, it is finished, he was talking about the old covenant. It is finished. Why? Because the new covenant had taken place. Because the blood of the new covenant had been spilt. The blood of the new covenant, the new deal, had already started. And I'll tell you why it had already started. Because he told a guy that's hanging on the cross beside him, tonight you will be with me in paradise. <clears throat> Excuse me. We have Christians today that want to put <clears throat> emphasis on what they do <clears throat> to make them Christians. You have people that want to tell you that I'm a good Christian because I do <clears throat> pick something. <clears throat> I go to the soup kitchen or I go to other countries and be missionaries, or I do this, or I do that. And I'm going to tell you, that's not true. The only way that you're a Christian is because you were blood-bought by the blood of Christ. <clears throat> there is no other. It's just like standing inside the door in Egypt. There was no other requirements. Go inside and put the blood on the door. That's it. He didn't, there was no more requirements in the Passover. There's no more requirements for a Christian. Now, look, it is our goal to look more and more and more like Christ, to be better and better witnesses, to fulfill our obligations as Christians, to show the world what the love of God looks like. That is absolutely true. But that does not make you a better Christian than anybody. That doesn't even make you any more of a Christian than anybody. 
Anything outside of the salvation in the blood of Jesus Christ is heresy. You cannot earn it. Paul says over and over that it's by faith and not by works where no man can boast. Well, the works that took place was Jesus dying on the cross as an unblemished sacrifice without sin, pouring his blood on the holy of holies. That's the tra transaction that matters. Because all of my blood added up times a thousand ain't worth a drip of his. Not even a little bit. There's nothing that I can do to compare me to him. But my goal is, and our goal is as Christians, is that we are supposed to live more like him. Why? Because I want to be a good recruiter. I want people to see me and see Jesus, and I need some of what he's got. That's what I want. I want, to, I want revival to start to where we have more and more people who finally understand that the most valuable thing in this whole world, it ain't gold, it ain't silver, it ain't cars, it ain't houses, it ain't airplanes, it's the blood of Jesus. It's not oil, it's not gas, it's not power, it's not anything monetary. There is nothing on this entire planet that gets anywhere close to the value of the blood of Jesus. You can be the richest guy on the planet and not have the blood of Jesus and you are going straight to hell and not taking any of it with you. And you can be the poorest pauper that's ever been and be covered in the blood of Jesus and you will go walk on gold streets and live in a mansion. People don't understand that. Why? Because that's not a... You can't put a worldly grasp of what that is. You can't. Look at it from a worldly perspective and understand it. That guy who is the poorest man you've ever seen and has Jesus is way more rich than the richest man you've ever seen that don't have Jesus. Having the blood of Jesus is the most valuable transaction that's ever taken place in your life as well. Minus the day that your mama gave birth to you when you actually took your first breath and become a human... Right? When you actually became somebody, the next best thing that ever happened to you is being covered in the blood of Jesus. And if you haven't, and if you're watching on Facebook or you're watching on television, if you haven't, if you haven't taken the opportunity to really delve deep and understand that Jesus died for your sins, that he wants you to be with him in heaven, <clears throat> that he wants you to be a son or a daughter, then you need to think about this and you need to pray this prayer. Father, I know that your son came to earth and died for my sins. That he took his blood and laid it on the altar. And I believe in my heart and say with my mouth that he is king. And I want him to be, <clears throat> I want him to be Lord and Savior of my life. Because without that, you worthless. I mean, I'm not talking about you as a person. I'm sure you're a nice guy. I'm sure you're great. But without the Jesus living on the inside of you, your value is not very valuable. Your life is not going to be very... It, it is going to... I don't like preaching <clears throat> death and damnation, but it's just the truth. Without the blood of Jesus, it is impossible. I mean, in... in one of my kids told me this week that they, they had a conversation with a kid in their school. And the kid said, you mean everybody doesn't go to heaven? And she said, not without Jesus. I don't care what else you do. 
course, my kid, you know, made it funny and said she can worship cows or whatever, but if she don't have Jesus, she's going to hell. And that's just the truth. It's the truth. And it is not condescending. I'm not better than them. I just know that the blood of Jesus paid for my soul. And, that, and without that information, how many people in the world go willingly, headlong, busting hell wide open without the blood of Jesus? And that troubles me. <clears throat> that troubles me. But our goal, our, our, our job, is that we need to be a better witness to understand, to help people understand how valuable of a transaction this is. I mean, we talk about it like it's nonchalantly, but I mean, really think about how valuable of a transaction this is. That without the blood of Jesus, there is no way, no way to be in heaven. None, none, none. There is no way. You can't be nice enough. You can't be good enough. You, you are, I mean, without Jesus, we are sinners. And with, with Jesus on the inside of us, we are sons and daughters of God, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That transaction takes you from not even in the family to a joint heir. That adoption process that takes place with his blood, when it covers over you, it takes you from nobody to somebody. It's the most valuable transaction to ever take place. <clears throat> I can't imagine living without it. I can't even comprehend the idea of living without it. His blood, when it was laid on the altar, the most valuable substance has ever touched the planet. And he did it for you. He did it for you. <clears throat> Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you and praise you for the, your son Jesus who died on the cross for us. Father, we thank you for your salvation that was blood-bought. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. blood of Jesus, oh, the blood of Jesus.